Today's guest is David Frodgham, who is a corporate finance advisor, business school lecturer, and podcaster. And we'll be discussing why do some companies need lots of capital and others none at all. I'm Tony Wood from CEO Collaborative Forum, and let's hear CEO Reflects. David, a very warm welcome back. Um, I've been really excited about this topic and it kept me up last night just thinking about talking to you and discussing some of these issues. So a warm welcome. Thank you, Tony. Always a pleasure. So so one of the things that I I thought about in the in the businesses that I've started and, and I've worked with other people in is there's this difference between getting money, getting VC money, and then having a bootstrap business. Um, and I was trying to figure out, because the question is, why do we have that difference? And I was sitting there and I was going, well, what might cause it? What, why does that, that happen? And why do we not have that initial thinking? Is it something to do with our background, our emotions, um, our confidence, not wanting to borrow money? I mean, what is it for you? What, what, what drives it? Yeah, I'd, it's, it's a really interesting. One. I think many more businesses could be bootstrapped, actually. Um, okay. That you could uh, the the people sort of assume it's a it's a badge of honor. I've raised money. My company is valued at five point eight million or something. I'm you know it's it's part of the macho side of it, which really isn't helpful actually in a uh, from the development of the business. And um, yes, you know you quit your job where you're being paid a, a monthly salary, and you go into something where you're very lucky to be paid anything at all and uh you're going to need money the companies do need money in order to 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 to, to work but it's quite okay. interesting that in countries where capital is scarcer so that for example uh, uh in in central eastern europe and in southern europe there's been less access to capital than there has been in 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 the UK or or, or, or Germany, well Germany uh, or or Scandinavia, and uh, we've seen some marvelous companies come up which have really just been bootstrapped. They've just done it through, you know, doing the odd job to keep the cash flowing, and then <laughs> and then working on the product in in, in whenever they can. Um, I mean, I mean, is it possible if we could first of all talk about what we mean by? VC or or using money and then bootstrap. So maybe if we start with with yeah, venture sure. capital or taking yeah, yeah. money. Well, the start. Um, if we actually start one step before that, is that sure. you you mentioned uh, borrowing money uh, rather yes. than so most of the well venture is all, all, really essentially equity investment. It's sometimes yeah. structured as a as a loan, but it is it is an equity investment. And uh, that means they're buying shares of the company. You, as the founder, no longer own 100%. You own something less. And the investor, your investors coming along uh, uh, on the ride with you. But if you go to your, uh, your rich aunt and say, um, uh, I, Tony, have got a fantastic idea. Will you, uh, will you invest? She'll probably say, Tony, here's, here's some money. And um, but I'd like it back when you can. You know, don't, don't, don't. Uh, don't squander it, and and that is a that 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 would be a loan. You know, I think that banks are not uh, are becoming worse, really, a source of a source of funding. But um, yeah, so your the second part of your question really was about 
you, you know, yeah, but if, sort of, sorry, if I could just yeah. break into that, because I think that a lot of people would see that when you get money, you're actually borrowing it because you kind of feel like you have to give it back. So I think that distinction between someone is actually buying a part of your company. And so you're not taking money from someone. You're saying, here's my stall. Here's part. Here's my whole. Give me money to help me to, to grow my business faster than I would do normally. And it's not alone. But I always feel like, I don't know, there's something in me that says that I've got this money, I need to make sure I give it back. And we've always talked, especially in, in the UK, is, you know, not get into debt. You can't get into debt. You can't yeah. borrow money. How do, how do you help fix or help that entrepreneur mindset? I'm going to use a, a, a COCF expression, the uh, oh. conditions of satisfaction. You know, what, <laughs> what needs to happen for you to be satisfied with this business arrangement? The, the reality is your rich aunt who lends you, let's say, £50,000. I want one of those. How do I get yeah, one of those, okay. David? All right, all right, £5,000, right? <laughs> okay, but, thank um, you. <laughs> but her condition of satisfaction probably is uh, would be that she gets her money back. If you give me, right. lend you 5000 and you give me 5000 back, I'd be satisfied. Yeah. Um, whereas with a venture capitalist, their model is that that, that money that goes in has to become very much bigger. I can explain why if you want, but it mm. has to really become 10x. So if they okay. give you 5,000, their conditions of satisfaction is that they get 50,000 back. Okay, so that's quite a lot. So, so for them to give you the money, your idea has to be spot on and you have to, I'm guessing, be completely and utterly 100% in or else they just won't give it to you. I mean, people are not going to invest unless you're committed. If you're doing it, you're doing it half-heartedly. You're, you're, I mean, that's the other advantage of a bootstrap business is that you've got more freedom to go at the pace, develop the company at the pace that you want. And I, I, meant, okay. I mentioned that, that uh, there, is, there are a lot of bootstrap businesses coming out of, out of places where capital is scarcer. But I go mm. back earlier in my career, uh, uh, Germany is a is a country that uh, has a very well developed uh, debt market through banks and through other other uh, organisations and a less well developed equity market. It's rather changed more recently, but that certainly used to be the case. And a classic thing for a German company to get going is they go with a small bank loan and they'd start with some consulting work or some things to get themselves going. And then from that, they built some IP and from yeah. that, they and then they build their company up. And you have these um, post-war, very successfully, very successful family-owned businesses that have now become world leaders and so on, essentially built without external equity investment. Because of course, the other problem- But that takes time, doesn't it? It does take time. It does that that's the one of the arguments that a professional investor will use is that you need me because otherwise it's going to take you forever and technology doesn't stand still if you want to be a technology leader you've got to um you, you've got to be quick now that's true of cutting edge technologies but if you're i don't know if you're a if you're a an engineering company um or, or i met a company recently that's kitchen, they bootstrap business making kitchens. Mm -hmm. And they had to buy equipment and they had to have salespeople and so on. It's all very uh, capital intensive. And, uh, uh, and, and it'd been running at a loss for many years, right. but they'd never had any external investment. And, okay. what, and it was all done 
through the way that they ran the business in in terms of uh, the relationship with the customers. So, so it's kind of need to, you need to understand why companies need money uh, and right. and and therefore you know how, how they, and that why where are they going to deploy it? Well, let's start there, shall we? In your experience, why and where do you think? companies need money. So if we start off with bootstrap is I'm using my money, I'm selling and I'm making a profit and I'm using the profit to help me grow the business. Is that correct? Great. Yeah, so then so I mean, and it's and it yeah. And it's simplest. Companies need money because they spend more than they than they earn and you yeah. generally earn by making sales and uh you you spend money on your internal costs. That's but it's kind of we have to break it down further to get to get to really what's going on. So the obvious okay. one that I think everyone can really understand is that you're running at a loss, right? So you're 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 uh, you're spending a thousand and and your sales are a hundred. You know you yeah. you're you're making a loss. Uh, that that will drive uh, a need for for cash, not necessarily immediately, but in the long term it will. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, uh, but in the case of this kitchen company, it was running at a loss for years and still didn't need any capital. Okay. So the second one is, is the 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 driver is the payment cycle, or more technically, the working capital requirement. In that the relationship with with your customer becomes extremely important. So, for example, yeah. um, we have the story in the press at the moment that companies providing carers paid for by local government are going bust. They're ah. profitable, they have no capital requirements, but they're going bust because the council is taking months and sometimes years to pay them. Yes. If you've got okay. the money in advance, then you can uh, then you you can use that money to grow uh, to do what you want, to grow and even cover your losses. So, for example, um, supermarkets, where generally uh, they they buy their products and then they pay their suppliers on thirty days or sixty days, but they turn the stock over every seven days, so therefore they they actually receive the money for the product before they've had to pay the supplier. That's the reason why many many supermarket chains have been family owned, because uh -huh. you can grow without needing external capital. In the case of the kitchen company, you go to them and they, they, they sketch out a kitchen and give you a price and you say, wow, that's amazing. I'd love it. Yes, I'd like to buy. Sign here, pay half now. So mm. you've paid for half the kitchen before they've done anything other than sell, send someone out with a piece of paper and give you a sketch. So you could reduce your need for money by just structuring your contracts in the right way and structuring yes. how you're getting your money. So it's, it sounds like there's, 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 we're talking right now, there's two needs to, to get money. So if I were to, to get <clears throat> venture capital or additional money into the business, it's either to help me grow quicker or to cover a short-term um, cash flow issue because I'm doing work, but I'm not being paid for it. So when, when would you, as a business owner, make that decision what's going through your mind because uh, okay, a lot of yeah, people aren't yeah. doing it how do you make that decision i would say to your earlier point there are other drivers other than those two making okay. losses well, and, uh, we can come to those 
but okay. at what point is very, very important because venture investors, venture capital really don't invest in ideas. They invest later on when the technology is to a certain extent proven. And if you think about it from their perspective, the later they invest, the lower their risk. And they, they then want to help companies with um, go to market, with sales expansion, with the team, building the team. And, and therefore, there is a funding gap anyway that an entrepreneur has is that very unlikely, some of the early stage venture investors would disagree with me, but, but that generally venture investors like to, like to invest when the, the product is essentially there. Uh, and it's got some proof point in the market that there's a customer right. or some trials or something like that. So what? So after you got product market fit, you would then say you'd get yeah, extra you money to then some, scale up, or yeah, you don't necessarily have. Ideally, yes, product market fit, okay. but but I think investors also like to invest in in teams that know how to pivot if they've got it okay. wrong, and they say, "Whoops, yeah. you know, left side of ship." <laughs> going somewhere else um yeah so you know that yeah okay. no so that's re that's really interesting so you've got that but you mentioned there were other types of money apart from wanting to cover debt and also scaling what would you say would be the ones that you'd recommend or or you've seen most commonly well um i think if i ask an entrepreneur why do you need money they generally say i have uh I, I have to hire engineers or I have to pay my salaries at the end of the month or whatever. What exactly did that mean? So it could be losses, as we talked about before, but it could be uh, what you might in, in software terms call platform development or, or, or the development of the offer. Uh, it could be that you, you need to write a lot of software, but it could also mean that you need to design some packaging, you need to... Um, uh, design the product or a variant of it or, or or whatever so so building the offer this is capital and uh and uh it it is quite hard to measure because the chances are you're not going to stop developing you you hire your team of software developers let's say 10 let's say to, to pluck a number from the air and and even when you're profitable, you're you're still going to have that that team in place who are going yeah. to be doing future versions and so on. So, but but that is another big area: is how much is it going to cost for you to put your uh, offer to the market? So that's so, so that it's okay. The third area. Interesting. So so there seems to be there's this point where our entrepreneurs need to figure out ah. I've got an opportunity. They then have to measure how much the opportunity is going to cost. And then they have to go and find someone who's going to give them some money for that opportunity. How do they know when's the right time to do that? And how do they figure out how much they need? Um, so, so the time, as I said, if you're raising venture, venture funds, you're, you're basically, um, uh, you're, you're doing it at, at a time when there are, as many proof points, the technology is proven, the the product market fit, as you mentioned, that you've got some feedback from the market, you've got an understanding of the competitive environment. All of those are good proof points for for uh, for venture investors. 
I would say that um, people too often fundraise when they're short of money rather than really having planned that this is a sensible time. I've achieved this milestone and therefore I need to raise money onto the next milestone. Um, right. So it's 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 that thought process of I need to you got to do it before you get into trouble, basically. You definitely have to do it before you get into trouble. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, because investors know that if you get close to the cliff, they can the cliff edge, they can get a better deal. Horrible so, thing to so, say, and that, does, that doesn't sound fair. Surely it's, this has to be fair, David. Is it fair? No. Okay. So it's not fair. So it's totally unfair environment. Where well, I, you, I think yeah, I, I'm going to be, let, let me give you a more balanced answer. Okay. I, I think it's important for investors to have a long-term good relationship with the entrepreneurs. So they're not out to screw you in that sense. And also, as every successful investor will tell you, it's not how much you forget how much you put in and at what valuation you remember how much money you made at the end um and and so it's it's it is it's not quite true uh, that that but nonetheless it certainly makes it easier to negotiate with um uh, uh with, with entrepreneurs if they're running if they're worried about meeting payroll yeah, you you had a second part of your question was uh, when when do you do it? Uh, or yeah. sorry, how much do you raise? Yeah, I, I think uh, there are two answers to that. So so uh, one is enough money to take you to the next milestone. So the next milestone means that when the next lot of investors would be interested in investing. So if you're a healthcare investor, maybe it is it's proven, but now you're ready for clinical trials, or the clinical trials are over. And you're now, and you've got FDA approval, or 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 uh, if you're a software business, that you've got the first group of customers, cohort of customers, and you're now looking to scale up. So that is a you've got to have enough money to bridge you. It's kind of always think of it as a bridge to, yeah. but it's got to be a bridge to somewhere rather than to nowhere. So, um, so you've got to have this thought process in your mind where you're going. Um, here's my vision of where I want to get to. And I've got these steps to go through. So that's a lot of pre-thought and pre-imagining. Um, and, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that vision that, you know, I want to get to this point, but to have the discipline to break down your thinking into those areas. Um, how would one do that? How, how would you do that? What, 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 how do you even start doing that? Yeah, I, you're 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 com you're completely right. There are too many too many entrepreneurs. Who, you know, when you say how much do you need, they say a million or ten million or whatever. They haven't really mm -hmm. thought it through. So I think there are, there are two answers to your question. One one is uh, work out where the next milestone is, and then work out right. what 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 money you need in order to get to that milestone, and uh, and then have a little bit more because things always take a little bit longer or often take a little bit longer. The, the the second one is really to understand the drivers. So these these drivers that that we've been talking about, there is another one which is incredibly in, important, which is unit economics. And unit economics okay. is really basically the cost, or, or, or how you monetize your your um, your, your customers. If you mm. think of um, if, if you think you're you're in e-commerce, you buy a product and then you sell it. You're, you're, you're kind of investing in, in, in the product and you make your profit later. It's rather the same with customer acquisition. You pay up front 
who acquire the customer. Yeah. Uh, you must know this at, at, at CSCF. You must have a certain amount yeah. of money to acquire a new uh, a new member, Absolutely. and then the yeah. member pays the dues over the next few years, and that's that, that's unit economics for you. The cost of yeah. customer acquisition compared with the lifetime value of yeah. or, of the customer. Of course, it, the problem with that is that the the more successful you are, the more money you need, because if it costs you, you know, a thousand euros to acquire a, a member, if you're only going to acquire one member, you only need a thousand euros. But if you're going to need, you're going to acquire, you're going to acquire a thousand members, you need you need a million. Do you see what I mean? It's it's uh, and therefore an understanding of the unit economics is really and, and really important. And and it is, and, and I think this is one of the challenges. So if you can help me out. I'm a start. If I'm a startup CEO, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm starting my business. I don't know what my cost of customer acquisition is going to be, and I don't know the lifetime value. I've got to guess it. How do I go about um, having an educated guess on that? Because yeah. I don't have any track record. Very true. Um, so we there there's guess, educated guess, uh, forecast. <laughs> sort of different <laughs> levels of of certainty. Uh, oh, oh and for the record, all of my forecasts are educated. They're not guesses, by the way. Just, <laughs> just covering myself there, David, just in case. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think the other uh, the other thing is, of course, your cost of customer acquisition will uh, will generally fall over time because um, you become known as an entity, and therefore the customer has been educated or can see things on uh, on social media. And therefore, you don't have to spend so much time educating them or, or making them aware. So you say in, in old-fashioned marketing, building awareness. Um, and so, yes, um, well, I, it is a bit like all planning. It is you have to have your best shot at it and be prepared to adjust it because it will be wrong, right? It'll it'll be wrong. But I, I can give you a, a nice anecdote. I was... Um, oh, please. This is... a super secret company that's really quite credibly setting okay. out to change the world we like we like super secret you can exactly. tell us and, uh, no, anyway, no, nobody's she's... gonna tell okay we promise you're listening now you're not gonna tell we have a promise uh, it's okay david go ahead the she said i said really how many uh how many users are you going to you know and what and she said well i mean i think this really has a potential of uh, to be used by billions of people, you know, most people on the planet. Fine, okay, but okay. what's your what's your target? And so, well, I I, I would um, uh, I I think it's believable that we could get to uh, ten million uh, users in the in the first year. So that was it. And I thought, oh, that's wow, that's that's amazing. Okay, okay. And then later on in the conversation, I say, well, what do you need to do to acquire a customer? Well, I have this ad, and I have this activity, and so on. I said. Well, roughly how much is that? Well, I think it might be $10. So, say, okay, let me tell you how much capital you need. You need 100 million. Okay. And, and she goes, no, okay. yes, you do. <laughs> so, of course, the answer to that is that one of those two numbers is wrong, right? So either the yeah. $10 will very rapidly drop to one or cents or zero, uh, or she's not going to get to 10 million in the, in the first year. No one's going to get no, that. We no one's going to give her a hundred million as no, 
Sadly, sadly. I mean, that's probably one thing we should do. We should probably do a cost of customer acquisition and a lifetime value podcast at some point in the future. But how how do I know what is reasonable? Because, you, you know, you talk about I'm going to have 10,000, 100,000. What market share? Because it, we need to be able to put some figures in this. We need to be able to have a an understanding as to what is reasonable to talk to a VC about. So if you said, look, I can reach X amount of market share in my business in, say, five years, what percentage would you say would be reasonable for an entrepreneur to say? Um, I don't think I can give you a number. I, okay. I think... Um, How would they work it out? Because that's a good well, many, figure, Many right? entrepreneurs are to create new market. That's the problem, right? Is, is oh, there not... Okay. It's, it, it's less of a better widget market you know of saying taking right. something that's existing and making it making it better which is a uh, but more about the creation of new things i mean we're, we're using Streamyard. how would they have worked out the cost of customer customer acquisition for yeah. for them okay they could look at uh, zoom they could look at uh, other existing platforms out there um and 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 work it out that's a sort of kind of comparative you can look at um uh what kind of um marketing activities you would do and how many new customers that would generate and that would give you a cost of cost of cu customer acquisition but i i completely agree with you this is a really imperfect science yeah. i i do think i'm i'm a great believer in repeat business and customer <laughs> attention and the obviously in the early days you have to acquire the customer but hang on to them you know that uh it's not enough that they come to your e-commerce site and buy one thing you should have them coming back for more that they should and then perhaps they come every month to buy whatever they need amazon so it, it, is very good at that well they, they have been and i think but it's also understand yeah understanding the need giving them what they need and at the right price and i think that's an evolution of your your product and I can see how that in later rounds, you could utilize that. But when we're looking at this like an initial, it it's, is a little bit of a step into the dark and you're it not is. quite sure what it might be. So one last question on, on the raising, I want to get on to what any disadvantages about raising money is, how would I convince a VC that what my vision of the future is correct? Are they um, data-based, are they information-based, or is it if I smile real nicely? Will they give me the money? Probably all of the above, except for the last one. Um, oh, damn! <laughs> although, although I have to say, many VCs. Uh, uh, what, um, what? What was it? Someone described it to me. Uh, I don't invest in assholes <laughs> <It's> okay. just, uh, because they they realize they have to work yeah. with the entrepreneur over many years, and therefore they want to work with people that they uh, that they like. Okay, so they're looking for the team, the quality of the team, people who've done it before, who are believable, doesn't necessarily need to be complete, but yeah. they think actually these are people who've got knowledge, yeah. real deep knowledge of the sector, who've got the drive, who've got maybe a track record. I think that's probably number one. Right. Secondly, that the, the, the technology or the offering has a competitive advantage, has some kind of moat to, 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 to ward off competition. That's very difficult these days because um, 
you, you know, um, if it's software related, uh, the, the, the chances are you could throw some bright developers at it and kind of catch up from a technology perspective. But, yeah. but they're looking for some kind of moat. It could be in the business model. It could be in the technology. It could be in their um, uh, in, 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 in the approach to market or, or the existing customer group, whatever. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the business model does matter. So they, but they are less concerned about that because they know it will evolve and change. So the points right. we've been talking about, about, you know, how can you really be sure about the future? I do find VCs are more interested in unit economics than they are in profit and loss. I, I think entrepreneurs yeah. know how to use Excel, but really only know how to use Excel in order to produce a, an income statement, a profit and loss statement. Um, whereas uh, the uh, investors know that companies with good unity economics will always win in the end, because always the um, that 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 money from that you get from customers is going to come through in the end, even if it takes even if it takes a while. I mean, it's there literally it's, things, a, it's I, a money I, machine, I isn't think... it? Because you know it's there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, so the other thing is, so we've talked a lot about um, about how you would know what to get, when to get it, but what about some of the warning signs where it can be seductive to say, well, and my company's running well, I'm making a bit of profit. If I if I got a whole bunch of money, then I'd be rich. So when shouldn't you do it? And what are some of the disadvantages um, that we can inform people about? Well, the big disadvantage is if you view this as your life's work and you want to to keep this uh, business you can't do that because as soon as you raise money from an external investor essentially you've put a for sale sign on the top of your business because they have to be able to get out and they'll have right. mechanisms in the investment agreement to to achieve that so that is a um uh, mm. probably the biggest disadvantage um i uh you also do lose some control i mean you can't really quite do what you what what you what you want um i came across a fabulous uh bootstrap business uh where over nearly 10 years this bunch of dedicated software developers have built the most amazing platform were completely broke as a result, driving beaten up cars and sending their wives out on overtime to be able to, or their other halves, and also sometimes their husbands or whatever, to be able to borrowing from their parents just just to try and keep their keep the company going. But they had got so far in in the in the development that actually it was not possible to bring it, or very very oh they're not possible, very hard to bring in an external investor. They had, they knew exactly what they wanted to do. They got their own way of of working they weren't really prepared to be mentored guided or whatever and the company actually ended up being sold because it was a time uh, when uh it it was it was a time really to 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 let go let go completely i would add also that having earlier said venture capitalists don't like to invest too early they also don't like to invest too late because if you if you come in when the company is already doing several million and is established to start with, how it's going to be much harder to take your one euro of investment and make it into 10. 
because that you get from earlier stage up to uh, uh, it's much easier to multiply the value by 10. So, so it's uh, interesting. I, I, I'd not quite appreciated the, the thought that as soon as you look to get investment, you're actually saying, I'm looking to exit at some point, whether it's an IPO, whether it's a sale, um, because you're on the treadmill then, because you've then got to, after a period of time, maybe what, five or 10 years, you've yeah. got to then, it's got to be worth more. The investor's got to get out and either you buy it back or or you do it. Well, so would you yeah, that, You really only buy it back if it's a failure, <laughs> because otherwise it's going to be too right. expensive. Okay. Okay, so so literally, you're you're relinqu you're relinqu relinquishing control. So why would why would anyone do that? I mean, what I mean, what are the other disadvantages? Have you seen people who've regretted getting money? Oh yeah. Um, okay. Any stories? <laughs> well, there's a former <laughs> member of of uh, CSCF who's who ended up with a <clears throat> uh, a toxic investment agreement. In fact, there are two of them I know. Interesting. And uh, where you know he thought he ended up with forty percent of the business, having taken in the investment, or fifty percent, or whatever. But there were so many bad, nasty terms in the investment agreement that uh, he ended up. In both cases, they ended up with very little. Um, so I think understanding the terms, I think the world's got better. The investors are, are, are more entrepreneur friendly these days. But but um, uh, not understanding how uh, the, the relationship between your percentage ownership and your percentage ownership of the economic interests is is a, a source of great uh, a great angst great worry for for for, for many entrepreneurs i i want to come back to your point though if i may about this kind of yes. exit thing this thing about yeah. taking money in later there is a, there are a whole group of investors but this is really more private equity than venture capital who say, okay, you've built a business, well done, maybe with venture capital, or maybe on your own, or maybe just with your rich aunt, well done. But now we're going to take it global. Now we get, you don't need uh, okay. 1 million, 2 million, 5 million. Uh, we're going to uh, put more money to play. We're going to acquire your major competitor. We're going to grow into China. We're going to become the, 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 the world leader. And uh, at that point, um, what what private equity firms do is that they'll buy everyone out, including the founders, and yeah. then say, okay, you've made some money, you can go and pay off your mortgage, you can replace your 20-year-old Volkswagen Golf with a, a Tesla or whatever you want to do, take your family on holiday for the first time for 10 years. Um, <laughs> yes, but, but you can. But we want you to reinvest. We want you to reinvest half of what you've made back in the new structure and you're going to make the same amount of money again you're just going to uh, because we're going to take this from this level up to uh, up to this level and that is fine you realize you've lost control but you're on the ride on the, you, it doesn't really matter if it doesn't work mentally because you you've got some money in the bank but it's an opportunity to work with a more professional team a more ambitious more of a a, a global impact and that that is a very interesting area to mm -hmm. to to examine as well for later stage businesses. Well, that sounds well. Hopefully, we'll get to that. But but one final question I want to ask is: It seems that as an entrepreneur, and I know definitely me, you start off and it's the unknown, and I don't know what really what I'm doing when I start a business. Um, it could be the first time you've done it, and then what happens? The business grows, and then you need 
um, venture capital and you don't really know how to do venture capital and then you're in the unknown. Then you grow even bigger and you're into PE and you don't really know what you're doing um, because you've never done it before. So we're constantly expecting entrepreneurs to know things and make the right decision without any knowledge. I mean, apart from advisors, how would you recommend an entrepreneur handle this a massive degree of uncertainty but then also these decisions you like as you mentioned a couple of times you make a mistake and you're out that's 10 maybe 15 years of your life done join cocf <laughs> absolutely no, you, no, do. That's, you need, yeah, you, that's you need people on the journey who are who've been there before who yeah. can help you who've seen the situation i think i think whether it's COCF or another organization, you, you need to have that support. Um, I wanted to give you a little anecdote, which I always Thanks. like very much about you start off, you start your business in a in in a one area and you end up somewhere completely different. Well, do you know that there was a successful, I think, Canadian uh, telecoms company called Mitel, which you might think stood for microprocessor tel telephony or something like that, oh, yeah. was a couple of uh, BT engineers who emigrated to Canada and wanted to produce a product, but it missed the market. And so they had to go make a little bit of telecoms equipment in order to be able to make ends meet. So Mitel stood for Mike and Terry's electric lawnmowers. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's really cool. No, that's really, really cool. <laughs> um, David, look, thank you so much. You've already got two other podcasts I want to talk to you about, um, like later stage businesses and then cost of customer acquisition and lifetime value. Would you please come back and, and help us just, just, just understand some of these areas so we can know where to start to get information? Always a pleasure, Tony. Thank you very much, David. That's really kind. And of course, as, da as David mentioned, and, and that wasn't, I wasn't lining up for that, honest. Um, I honestly believe, for, so for me, joining COCF helped me get, um, move from that naivety that I had to gain some knowledge through conversation um, and challenges. And I think that's one of the things that, that I know has really helped me. And so if you can find a great group that gives you knowledge, gives you networking, and gives you that sense of connection, um, I wholeheartedly recommend you do that. Of course, I'm going to say CAOCF is, is what if you're an international business person, then absolutely that's the, um, a good place to start. But David, thank you so much. Hopefully chat again soon. Take care now. Bye. Bye now.